Audience numbers for Mises Institute podcasts are going through the roof, and we want to thank our great listeners with a special deal. Per Bilan's primer on Austrian economics, how to think about the economy, has become one of the best sellers in the Mises store, and we're giving it away for free to our podcast listeners. This short book is a great refresher for understanding proper economic logic and also a perfect introduction to economics for friends and family. So get your free copy of How to Think About the Economy by visiting mises.org slash free. That's H-A like human action, pod free. This is the Human Action Podcast, where we debunk the economic, political, and even cultural myths of the days. Here's your host, Dr. Bob Murphy. Well, Econ Bro, welcome to the Human Action Podcast. Thank you for having me, sir. It's good to be here. So I guess one thing people will want to know is uh, what made you use that, that title for yourself? Um, economics. So that, that's my thing. I studied economics at university and um, hmm. I, I consider myself, and I, I don't, I don't mean this. I don't say this to be, to sound arrogant, but I, I literally consider myself um, one of the best economists in the country, not because I'm the smartest person, but because I'm the only one who actually knows, or one of the very few individuals that I have encountered in my country who um, knows Austrian economics, which happens to be the right um, school of economic thought. So I am the econ bro, your brother in um, economics. Okay, great. And your country is Nigeria, just for to clarify for the listeners? Yes, Nigeria is my country. And yes. Can you maybe speak just a little bit about how you discovered it? Like, did you go to school and learn conventional economics and then you discovered, you know, Milton Friedman yes. and things like that? Can you maybe just speak a yes. little bit about your journey? Yes, um, thank you. So, I, I, yes, I studied um, economics at university, conventional um, economics took the um, regular courses that everyone takes, econometrics, um, um, intermediate, micro and macro beginners, intermediate, advanced, monetary, economics, financial institutions, all that stuff. Um, so I, I did all of that in school. Um, so after graduating from the um, university, so I always had questions while I was in school. Right? I always had questions um, that my professors were unable to answer. So I thought it was because... Um, it was because of the quality of lecturers and professors here. That's what I thought it was, right? I thought um, they just didn't have, have the answers. So after um, my after my studies, I started to look for alternatives, right? I went online to find other economists to, to, to learn my craft, so to speak. And I noticed it was the same thing, right? Um, everywhere I checked, it was, it was the same thing. So um, long story short, um, because so I am a Christian. Um, I'm a preacher mm -hmm. in my in my um, regular job. That's what I do. So this is like my side hustle, right? So I'm mm -hmm. actually a preacher. That's what I do. So um, in my study of um, of the Bible of Christianity, I came across a couple of people who would I say led me to conservatism. Um, a couple of the people I follow. Um, online to learn stuff from um, I, I used to do apologetics before Christian apologetics I still do but I do it um, slightly um, differently now um, so because of those people I got introduced to conservatism and um, when, when you start to learn conservatism it's not difficult for you to run and um, to come across Milton Friedman F.A. Hayek Thomas Sowell you know so mm -hmm. I started to study um, those guys and then I started, of course, learning the alternatives. I got answers to the questions I used to um, ask in school, the questions I had in school. So I figured out, okay, so it's not that my professors were bad, but it's um, the school of thought I was being taught that had um, problems. So I started to look into the other guys, all the guys I've mentioned, and then I, they had very, very good answers. So it was only, I think, I, I, I'm, I forget, it, um, 22 or 2021, I can't remember exactly. I, I got into Rothbard and Mises. I had heard of Mises before, um, in the past. I, I knew he was a teacher, um, F.A. Hayek's teacher, but I didn't really know about human action or um, his theory of money and credit or any of anything of the sort. I just knew he was some guy, you know, um, 
I think it was it was I was speaking with a lady on Twitter. Her name is Hannah Cox. She recommended um, Henry Hazlitt's Economics in one lesson to me, um, and then I read that, and he referenced Mises in the introduction. So I was blown away by the book. Right, I was entirely um, completely blown away by Economics in one lesson mm-hmm. um, by Hazlitt, and then he, he he made reference to Mises, and then I found. Um, Rothbard, and then I found you and Dr. Salerno and Hopper, and pretty much that, that's how I got to where I am now. So because of my foundation with um, Milton Friedman and Tom Sowell and F.A. Hayek, it was not too difficult for me to understand um, your writings or um, Hayek's writing um, or Mises's writings. Or although I, I have to confess, um, reading Mises is very very difficult, especially for second language um, speakers, Spe- um, English um, second language. Um, speakers like myself mm-hmm. it's very very difficult but rock bard is pretty easy to understand you're pretty easy to understand um yeah so that's how i got into um, all of this so a- apart from economics i started to look into the um libertarian the political philosophy you know and i i think i i, I finally made the switch to anarcho-capitalism in june of this year that was when I made, I, 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 I'm sure, I remember it was the 9th of June, a Friday <laughs> evening that I, this is great. I realized yeah. I, I am an, an, an anarchist. So that was um, how it went. So you, do you remember like when you accepted Jesus and you remember when you <laughs> became an anarchist? Oh yeah, I, I, rem- <laughs> um, I accepted Jesus on the um, 23rd of August, 2009. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, this, so this is it was the yeah. Thursday or Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Okay, well, there's a lot there. If you don't mind me just uh, asking you to elaborate a little bit, so I'm, I love stories like this. Uh, do you remember any of the questions you, when you were in school learning this stuff, and you know, presumably it wasn't making sense? Do you remember any of those questions you had at the time? Yes. Um, so it was it was mostly questions that had to do with um, money, right? So the mm-hmm. let, let, let let me when we were taught um, the the GDP model. Y equals um, C plus I plus G plus plus NX. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand where a lot of things fit into that model. It didn't really make um, sense to me. So when they used to talk about um, um, increasing the money supply, they never really taught us what. I had no idea where money came from. It just, a lot of things, just, there were just so many, so many holes. When we were taught the money multiplier, how the fraction, basically how the fractional reserve banking system works, there wasn't a lot of... It, it, I don't know how to explain this. It just didn't make any sense to me. I was like, how does this make sense? You know, so it was when I started to um, mm. learn about the Austrian business cycle um, theory and um, basically Austrianism in general that I'm, I started to learn that counterfeiting, uh, uh, sorry, rather money supply increasing is basically just legalized counterfeiting. So everything just started to um, add up. It, it, but it was, it's intriguing to me that at the time, so you're, you would ask that your professors would give you answers that didn't satisfy you. And you thought, oh, they was like they just must not understand the discipline. Yeah. So, like, if I were at in the United States at MIT or Harvard, surely there the economics professors teaching, you know, New Keynesianism, which it sounds like was what you were learning, w- would be able to give me the right answers. And, and then you, it's just later you realize, oh no, my Nigerian professors were were adequate. It's just the material they were trying to teach me was you know contradictory or, was or horrible, problematic. Yes. I, um, funny enough, I actually wanted to um, attend Caltech. Mm-hmm. So after my um, bachelor's, I, I was I, I tried to I, I spoke with the people at Caltech, tried to see if I could get a scholarship, but that wasn't working out. So it was a, a, a little too expensive for me. I couldn't afford it. So I just decided um, all the information is already online. So I'll just read up the stuff. Thank God I didn't go to Caltech. Mm-hmm. I probably would have been um, an SJW. That, no, that's unlikely. It's impossible. <laughs> I wouldn't have been an SJW. But um <laughs> I wouldn't have been where I am today. Let me mm-hmm. leave it at that. So the Caltech thing didn't work out. Thank God it didn't work out. Okay. All right. Uh, do you remember, because I know Hannah Cox too, and I know like she, was it partly the Christianity angle? Is that how you, you guys were conversing? Oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've been following the Foundation for Economics Education fee for uh-huh. um, a long time since 2015, 16, if I'm not mistaken. So I follow, mm-hmm. so um, I, 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 I knew her through fee. Okay. So I followed her on Twitter and then I, um, one day I just asked, so I wasn't really a big fan of libertarianism at all. Mm -hmm. I was not a big, I wasn't a fan at all. I hated, absolutely detested libertarians. Um, it was ridiculous to me. Like, how can we live in a stateless society? How would that work? How won't everything, um, Mm -hmm. um, turn to utter chaos, right? So 
Um, it, libertarianism just didn't make any sense to me. I thought they were conservatives who just wanted to smoke weed and have abortions. <laughs> that was um, basically uh -huh. what I thought. And um, by the way, this 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 is because at the time I was all, all I knew about libertarianism or most of the stuff I knew about libertarianism was from people like Reason um, Mag Reason TV Reason Magazine. Mm -hmm. So those guys were obviously they still are obviously crazy to me. So that was all I knew about libertarianism. I thought it was just conservatives who didn't believe in God and um, basically just wanted to smoke weed. That's what I thought it was. So it it just didn't make any sense to me. You know, we have a very conservative culture here in um, Nigeria, in Africa, mm -hmm. um, but especially in um, Nigeria, we have a very conservative um, culture, Christian, Muslim. So we don't do the whole LGBT thing here. It's not that doesn't really um, mm -hmm. fly here. It, it does in maybe one or two of the major cities. You, you are free to do what you want to do. But um, that kind of thing is dangerous. Homosexuality is criminalized here. You, you, you get um, 14 years jail for being a homosexual here in nigeria so um so we don't we don't so so i wasn't really comfortable with um the, the libertarian movement so when i it was it was a very very pleasant um surprise when i found that most of the people in the um should i say the misesian the mrs um institute people most of them are christians like mm -hmm. you're, you're a christian um, um guido holzman is catholic um tom woods is catholic Pretty much everyone um, I've spoken to, I, I think with the exception of Phil Bishop, um, I think pretty much everyone else I've spoken with or I've interacted with is a Christian. So that sort of helped, let me say. You know, so I, I, I found out I, I shit. Mm -hmm. So let, let, me, let me put it this way. I actually disagreed with many of the things. I still disagree with many of the things um, Hannah Cox says. However, on economics, I, mm -hmm. I, I found what she said to be correct. Right. So she wasn't the mm -hmm. one who got me um, over to libertarianism. The, the should I say the tipping point was um, when I listened to. So, so because I had heard about libertarianism from fee, a little bit from fee, from Hannah Cox and a couple of other people, as I as I said. Um, so from there, I got introduced to you. I watched your debate with um, Mr. David Friedman. Oh, OK. It was it was. Yeah, it was very, it was thrilling stuff, very exciting stuff for me. So um, then I, I, I got to hear about Rothbard and a couple of other people. So one time I was, I, I watched a debate, um, or rather it wasn't a debate, it was a discussion, the Patrick Bed David podcast. He had on Dave Smith, Larry Sharp, um, a, a lady called Jessica Vaughn, I think, and Spike Cohen, right? Yeah. So it was four of them and um, they were talking, they were defending libertarianism. So I, I was like, let me give this a chance, right? Mm -hmm. Let me hear them out. And everything um, Dave Smith said, everything Larry Sharp said, everything Spike Cohen said, I absolutely agreed with. I was like, these people are not the libertarians I know, right? So that was how I got introduced to the um, Mrs. Caucus, as they call mm -hmm. um, us, I would say. And then, um, so actually it was through, it was through Dave Smith that I found Rothbard because he said, I remember him saying, um, I was, he said, I am a Rothbardian because the host of the show, Patrick B. David asked him if he, um, what problem does he have with a Milton Friedman? And then he said he has no issues with Milton Friedman, but he's more of a Rothbardian. So I'm like, mm, Rothbard, Rothbardian. I looked that up to see what that was. And then I found Rothbard's second most, um, important discovery of my life, um, Rothbard. So, yeah, so that's how I got into um, all of this. Okay. So I owe a lot to Hannah Cox, to Dave Smith, to yourself, and um, yeah. Okay, well, that, yeah, very very interesting. Um, maybe if, you, if I can do one more before we dive into your current project. Sure. Uh, did, did you have, because I know a lot of American Christians who are sympathetic to uh, small, like limited government, and oh, yes, we, we don't like the welfare state. We don't like, even if they're very skeptical of U.S. foreign policy, but when it comes to anarcho-capitalism per se, they have serious issues with that. And like, for example, they'll say, doesn't Romans 13 say that, you know, the political authorities are put in place by God? And so I know a lot of American Christians think that anarcho-capitalism is literally incompatible with, you know, standard Christianity. So did, did you have to wrestle with that or was it merely once you realized the cultural thing was not what you originally thought you were, it was, it was, uh, you know, you were free to do it, to embrace it. 
Yeah, so I actually did wrestle with um, that. But a friend of mine who I met on Twitter, he's a Nigerian, he's a libertarian. So he mentioned one time that um so I had I had this conflict. How can I be a an anarchist and a Christian at the same time? So I really did have that conflict. Um so I didn't bring it up bring it up with my pastor or anything. So I just, it's just something I was thinking mm-hmm. of. And then I a, a friend of mine, as I said, he 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 mentioned that Israel before um King Saul was um a form of anarchy. So I was like, hmm, interesting. So I looked it up, right? And I, so I went to the Bible and then I read the story. And I recently just posted a two-part article um, titled, if I remember this, um, if I remember clearly, it's, um, this stage is a rejection of God, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I basically um, found that so God basically warned Israel against um, having a king. And of course, the king is what established um, Israel as a state, of sorts because the king had his um, would need his officials um and he would have to take out of the population of um people who could be productive in society and they would just basically begin to leech off society god did um warn um the people of israel he he actually he literally called and i was listening to um the bible my audio bible last night before i slept and it it it, it occurred to me that god literally called it evil right mm-hmm. he called um asking for a king evil and then he warned them so um although so so the way i I interpret romans 13 and the places in scripture that say we should um respect authorities the damage has been done so as christians we are not supposed to be rebellious Mm -hmm. right We're, we're we're not supposed to be rebellious so now that the damage is done this is how we are to live um under the evil um system Right, so um, the article I wrote um, recently. Um, so there is this um, Chris, and I feel very comfortable talking about this because I know you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel very comfortable bringing this up. So um, in, in the Bible, I don't know if um, you see things the same way, but in the Bible, we learn in um, in Genesis, the eleventh chapter of Genesis, that God divided the nations right he created he formed the nations then in deuteronomy 32 moses expands the genesis 11 narrative in chapter in verses 8 and 9 telling us that when god divided the nations in genesis 11 he placed um, spiritual rulers over the nations the principalities the gods over the nations and then chapter verse 9 says he put is he took israel as his possession right so um, he handed the nations over to to God's angels, who eventually turned out to be evil, right? And then the only nation that God took for Himself, He did not appoint them a king. He didn't tell them, "Hey, take this, um, to, um, make a king for yourself." God wanted to be their king directly. So, um, the the people of Israel asked um, Samuel to tell God that they wanted a king mm-hmm. because. They wanted to be like other nations. And these other nations, according to the Bible, are ruled by principalities and powers. So they are basically responsible for the idolatry and most, not all, but most of the evil in, because um, men are also culpable, right? Mm-hmm. And we have our problems. So, But they are responsible for um, turning the nation's source idolatry and introducing evil things to them. So if God says um, specifically... Or rather, if the people of Israel say we want to be like other nations and the other nations are governed by powers and Israel that is governed by by evil powers and Israel that is governed by king. I just put it together. Obviously, it would have been those evil powers that helped them appoint um, kings. So basically, my argument is in in the two part article is um, the state is 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 basically demonic. Right. And then it was, as I said, just last night, I was listening to my audio Bible. And and then I heard um, when God said this evil. So asking for the king, making themselves a state. um, So it's um, it's I didn't prepare for this. so I'm not so articulate, but it's 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 clear enough in the writing, I hope. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm tracking your argument. Definitely. And um, yeah, this is fascinating stuff. So that's interesting. Your take on Romans 13. Is it sort of analogous that there are other places where Paul like tells slaves, you know, how to be a good slave and, and so forth. And 
and it's not that we're supposed to believe that, oh, so the New Testament is endorsing slavery. It's just saying, you know, Paul's not instructing slaves to go try to kill your master in the middle of the night. And so, yeah. likewise, you're saying, given now that humans, Israel asked for a king, and that's what, you know, the pagan cultures, we all like to have our earthly rulers, that given that's what man has embraced, Paul was just writing and saying, okay, well, here's the way to be a Christian living in this system. Yes, okay. yes. The, the, the same reasoning applies, as you said, to slavery. So Paul wasn't saying slavery is, is good. He said a, a slave should be able to, if he has the opportunity to get his freedom, he should get it. But um, while you are in that position, be respectful to your master. You know, so... Mm -hmm. Okay, well, why don't you... I know what definitely our listeners want to hear about is you put on a seminar to teach... Nigerians, these ideas. Can you speak a bit about that? How that went? Yes. Um, so after learning Austro libertarianism, so I, I'm not perfect yet, right? I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still reading every day. I'm growing every day. So I, I just, um, but I'm a very quick learner. And by God's grace, I'm a very, very quick learner. So <clears throat> fast learner. So mm -hmm. I decided rather than sit back and complain about, because that's literally what everyone does here and pretty much everywhere else in the world. People just sit and complain on Twitter. Nobody's actually doing anything, right? So I decided I'm not going to sit back and just do nothing. Genuine, I genuinely, I genuinely believe that I have the solution to, I don't have a Messiah complex. I don't think I'm a Joseph or something, but I genuinely believe that the solution to nigeria's problems and the problems or the problems pretty much everywhere in the world can be solved by following the austro-libertarian principles specifically specifically the what i would call the rothbardian because i i consider myself a rothbardian mm -hmm. right so <clears throat> so because um there are those who believe there are um milton friedman um libertarians who and believe the state should monetarists who believe the state should have control over money. I do not believe in that at all. So I just have to make that distinction. So I'm, I'm thoroughly Rothbardian. So, so um, as, as I was saying, so I thought rather than just sit back and complain when I'm very confident in the solutions that Austro-Libertarianism offers, I, I said I was going to go out and do something about it. So initially, because we had our elections in February, so last year during the election cycle well so i tried to reach out to um politicians right i went to um the campaign office of one of the leading candidates here and they were they were interested in politics no one was interested in solutions they literally told me you're a very intelligent young man these ideas sound very nice um but all the big man is interested in is how many votes you can get him <clears throat> So, and I, I wasn't interested in any of that, right? So I tried to reach out to um, another um, um, political, leading political candidate. Um, unfortunately, my connection to him, um, I, I got a connection to him very, very late in the campaign. So he didn't have time to sit and talk with me. So he, he I met with one of his people instead and nothing came of that. He, he, he didn't win the election. Um, nothing came of that. So I decided rather than... Um, just try to reach out to, rather than go straight to the top i would go directly to the people you know try and educate um tomorrow's voters tomorrow's politicians tomorrow's policymakers tomorrow's businessmen so i'm so i go to young people most especially <clears throat> so we have a very big um respect is a very big thing here i know a lot of people who leave nigeria and travel to the west tend to abandon and um, that so um, I can't, I can't call you um, by your name. I, I really can't do that. So I'll call you Dr. Murphy or Mr. Murphy as the case may be. So respect is a big deal here. So, and because of that, um, if I, so it's, it's, it's a bit extreme, especially in, in some cultures more than others. If I talk to an elderly person telling him what you're saying is wrong, they get upset, right? So it's a very, big thing here. It's like you're dishonoring an elder if you correct him or her. So um, because of that, I've had difficulty reaching older people. I have reached some of them, interestingly, um, but I, I have difficulty reaching them. But then um, with university students and um, young people, my peers, my mates, um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm making some, especially with the university students, right? Everyone in Nigeria is hungry for ideas. Everyone is hungry for a change. And what I'm saying is radically different from anything they've heard. Um, there is this, um, the ideas are, apart from the fact that they are very compelling when you listen to them, because it's very logical, right? I don't need um, charts or graphs or um, mathematical models to explain Austro-Libertarianism to people. I could just use um, simple words, um, just logic, right? People, people understand very easily what I'm talking about. So apart from the fact that it's compelling, the ideas are so strange to this part of the world that when people hear them, it sounds very exotic and young people like trendy things. So, and people who I, 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 I have a lot of success with students and, um, people who, who, let me say, they don't yet have a dog in, in, in the fight. So I have a lot of opposition from mainstream political analysts and, and finance people. And so those guys really hate me, right? Because, um, I'm calling them out basically on the things they say. So they are no fan of what I have to say. They are, so the, those people are set in their ways. The, the, they've, they've been preaching this thing for God knows how long. So for some 30 something year old to come tell them what you're saying is wrong, they, they, they are not buying it. Right. But the younger people who are still in school, they are not yet invested in any ideo um, ideology. They are more receptive to um, these ideas. So I, so I got some money and um, went to the um, Abuja University. Um, so the federal capital's territory is the capital of Nigeria. Abuja is the capital of the FCT. So I went to the university, the federal university here. Um, I have a couple of contacts. I have contacts pretty much everywhere in the country. Um, so I called um, one person who gave me um, a student in the economics department's number. And then we discussed and she was very intrigued by the things i said we had a meeting so she introduced me to another student who is more influential and then we set up a group online and um i told them about what i was coming to talk to them about so i rented um a venue a hall um, at a hotel um gathered the students um sound got paid for sound paid for feeding you know and just spoke to them about money since right now the biggest problem or one of the biggest problems is inflation right so everybody is feeling it Everything is way more expensive than it used to be a couple of years ago. So it was a very interesting topic. And just like, um, just like I, I, just like myself, when I started to learn um, these things, they were extremely shocked to find out that the central bank is just a counterfeiting, legalized counterfeiting organization. So they, their minds were blown. But anyway, so I just, so I, I intend to keep doing this. And going from um, school to school and gathering young people. So from, from that first seminar, I was able to, should I say, harvest a couple of serious-minded people who I'm now training um, personally so that they can. And fortunately for me, they, they live in different parts of the country and they are all um, from different ethnic groups, different languages. So I, my goal is to train them so that they get well-versed in these ideas and they can communicate it to their parents and people in their communities in the in their local dialect right just so basically my goal is to my long-term goal is to raise um maybe in 10 15 20 years in hopefully if i'm if i'm fortunate a million um people who have who know these ideas who understand them at least to a um, certain level right so so that when politicians in a decade or so from now, come out and start to say, um, we're going to give you free education and free hospitals and free healthcare and free everything. They know it's nonsense. They know it's nonsense. And if possible, maybe, as I said, in a decade or so, um, we, 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 we might actually, um, send out our candidates. So my goal is just to train people. So, so I have a couple of goals in the long term is to, of, of change of, of, changing the um, political establishment in 15 to 20 years. So I have other short-term goals. Short-term goals is to gain as much popularity, make as not as much noise as I can. Um, because if I make enough noise, I, I, I will eventually, I'm already catching the attention of um, the mainstream economists here, right? I've caught the attention. They initially, they used to respond to me 
but they've stopped because um, I always, again, I don't say this to brag. It's just, I'm just stating the facts. I always get the upper hand in our um, debates on Twitter and whatnot. Um, so they've sort. I think they've, I, I, I strongly believe I've been blacklisted because um, one time I, some, um, some guy was talking about um, um, reducing the um, cash reserve ratio here you know, just basically to be able to expand um, credit. And I was like, we're complaining that prices are um, rising and you're talking about expanding credit. That's going to make things worse. And um, he, he, the, the man got upset. You know, he's, this, this guy is, 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 he goes on interview all the time. So he's fairly popular, right? So he got very upset and said, I'm being we're the same age, by the way. And then he said, I'm being very rude to him and he can't engage with me that this other guy said, this is how I am. So I was like, oh, they've been talking about me. Interesting. So um, I actually got invited to a um, one of the leading TV stations twice to um, come make my case against the central bank. And at the last minute, the host canceled, right? And I know this host is friends with... Um, the people I spar with on Twitter. So I, I, I feel that I'm blacklisted, but I don't care. So um, fortunately for me, this would be my second Mises Institute um, um, appearance, right? And, uh, and I've been on Larry Sharp's show. I've been on a couple of other shows um, here and there. So the international recognition is actually lending credibility. So, um, younger people are looking and they're asking, who is this nobody that's... Um, so we, we, we call um, white people Oibo here. That's the word for white person. Basically, foreigner is called Oibo. So um, young people are looking like, who is this um, young nobody that Oibo are listening to, right? And um, <clears throat> it's, 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 it's gaining some... It's, it, it's lending some credibility to my cause. So as I said, short term... And become as popular as possible. A time will come. And I believe I said this on Larry Sharp's show. When I look at politicians in the West, I see malice in um, the policies. There is no way the, the, the political elite in, in the US and basically in the West, there is no way they do not know what you are saying. There is no way they don't know the alternatives that you and, and people like yourself offer, right? So so I, I think, um, to me, it seems like um, sabotage, right, in the West. I think they are intentionally implementing horrible policies. But that's not the case here. I don't think that's the case here. I, I genuinely think, like, our last um, president and um, perhaps one of the most hated men in all of Nigerian history because of how much he ruined the economy, I gen and my people will hate me for this, but I genuinely believe he meant well. He just didn't know any better. And he, he, he used to be a military, um, head of state in the past. So he's very dictatorial and he doesn't listen to people. But I genuinely believe he meant well. If he, if he knew better, I believe he would have done better. I genuinely believe that. So if, um, I can gain traction here, if I can gain recognition, Right. It's not impossible that some politician would say, OK, let me hear um, what you're saying. And perhaps um, maybe at, at least. So my goal is not to turn Nigeria into an um, anarchist society. Right. Because that's um, not going. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's something um, this country is ready to accept. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. But OK, so let's try and um, get sound money. Let's try and reduce taxes. Just move the needle towards liberty as little as possible. You know, just let's just I, my, my, I don't believe, as I said, I don't have a messiah complex. I don't think I'm going to um, change the country or change the world. But if I can get um, certain taxes to be scrapped, right? Or if I can get um, corporate income taxes to be dropped from, I think, 30, 32% or 30% where it is now to maybe... 2015, I've done some good. If I can get, and I don't know how possible this is, if I can push for alternative um, forms of money, maybe like cryptocurrencies. I, I recently just got into cryptocurrencies. 
being a um, an Austrian in the Messian Rothbardian tradition, I am a gold bug. I love gold and silver. Love absolutely love gold and silver. But how do I get um, how how do I get people to switch to gold? I I I can't do that. Gold is very expensive. Um, it's something that can be confiscated by the government if they are displeased with um, what's what is going on. But with cryptocurrencies and um, Monero in particular, is, um, this new this cryptocurrency I just got introduced to recently. If um, Monero is totally private, can't be traced. Nobody knows how much you have. It's um, it's from what I've seen, it ha it it is actually the best. So if I can get, but I, I, again, I'm not I'm not going to preach. Um, um, I'm just preaching sound money, right? So let people make their choice. If it's gold, if it's silver, if it's um, Monero, if it's Bitcoin, I hope it's not Ethereum. But if it's Ethereum, they choose. <clears throat> whatever i'm just going to give them the options i'll tell them this is what i think is best you know so if i can just as i said just move the needle in the direction of freedom just um how how do i say this um to should i say i i can't remember the term is it to expand the overton window to include more ideas or to shift okay yeah, yeah. if i could expand the overton mm -hmm. window yeah not shift because the overton window here is very small it's very narrow mm -hmm. right so it's the spectrum here is um socialism and keynesianism that's literally all that there is here that's the spectrum the entire um, length of the spectrum so if i can ex expand it to include um i mean if i can get milton friedman economics here i've done a great service yeah. to this country right and milton friedman is no is nowhere close to the um my ultimate goal as you obviously know so no disrespect to milton friedman i absolutely um love his work right it's just we disagree on money yeah okay yeah that's it's interesting you said you said that um i mean everything's interesting but to go back because i was talking with an economist you know from the Misesian tradition when he from venezuela back you know when they were having hyperinflation and and i asked him i said do, you know do the, do your colleagues is it obvious to them, you know, because they had they had hyperinflation and they had price controls. And of course, you know, all the goods disappeared from the store shelves. And, you know, it's obvious to us why that happened. And I was asking him, do, you, do at least your economist friends understand what's going on? And he was saying no, that even the professional economists did not fully get, you know, what was happening. And they thought it was speculators. And, that, and so I was just kind of astonished to hear that. So but it sounds like you're saying... It's similar there, yeah. It's the same here, yeah. It's the same here. They 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 implement um, horrible policy, and then we predict this is what is going to happen, mm -hmm. and then it happens, and everybody's asking why did this happen, and they end up listening to the mainstream economists who basically recommend more of the same policy that led to um, where we are now. I I was just talking of um, the man who was talking who was complaining about inflation, yet saying the cash reserve ratio um, should be reduced. You know, giving the banks the ability to um, expand mm -hmm. credit even more. You know, so more of the same, more of the same. The one of the leading um, 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 economic analysts here in the on Twitter anyway, not um, not like in the country, but he's very well known. He's respected. Has hundreds um, of thousands of um, followers. He he keeps saying um, that the Nigerian government has a ending problem, not a revenue problem. Right? He keeps mm -hmm. that's like his catchphrase. So he points to some. There's a lot of wasteful spending here. Right? There's a lot of wasteful, very very wasteful. And um, if I were to go into all of it, I'd probably be assassinated. And um, <laughs> that's a joke, kind of. Uh -huh. Um, kind of, I'm, I'm not really too, but if I were to go into all of it, 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 it it'll be really, so there's a lot of very corrupt, um, overt, um, useless spending, right? They spend on themselves. So, so people, so these people complain that there's, um, the government spends on wasteful, um, ventures and this financial analyst, um, Nigeria has a spending problem, not a revenue problem guy recommends that rather than um cut spending spending should be redirected redirected to other areas he feels are more um 
are, are better. Like, so he says they should spend, the government should spend more on education. The government should spend more on healthcare. The government should spend more on infrastructure. Now, <clears throat> if, if I heard those ideas 10 years ago, I would have lauded them. Like, this is beautiful, right? But, um, Government spending has a lot. First of all, there's a problem of taxing, right? The government has to. So the government here can either, governments everywhere, can either tax, um, inflate the currency or borrow the money. And borrowing is just basically future um, taxes. So there is no upside to that spending, even if the money actually goes where it's supposed to go. So we, we have this problem here. Um, so we have fuel subsidies here, right? And then they were taken out. Uh, um, and fuel got really, really expensive. And um, people were saying the the money that was spent on subsidies in the past should be... I did write another two-part article about this. And um, people were saying the money that, um, is spent on, that was spent on subsidies should be redirected to um, infrastructure or providing free transportation or free education and all that. And then I asked a simple question. Now, I'm not, I, I didn't even discuss the economics of it, crowding out and all that stuff. And, you know, um, basically drawing resources away from the private sector and misallocating resources. I didn't even discuss the economics of it. I just simply said, what, what makes you think that the same political class that spends, um, that, that wastes billions that embezzle billions in the fuel sector what makes you think they would not do the same in education or healthcare mm. or any you know so it's just common sense now this is not just this is not the economics of it this is just it's it's, it's absurd so so the one of the leading as i said the leading analysts in this country recommends that um rather than cut spending altogether the spending should be repurposed should be moved into another direction so it's it's i can go on for no that's interesting Sorry. stuff uh, maybe i think the last thing now. maybe we can have you discuss before we wrap up here is i know you had mentioned there was something about nigerians rejecting a cbdc and certain people in the west were applauding that but you think that the story is more nuanced than that so can you explain this the situation um so i i've read articles from all sides of the um, spectrum in the West. Um, of course, from different perspectives, but the story is still the same. Um, Nigeria um, rejected CBDCs. And for the liberty movement, <clears throat> the liberty side of the spectrum, the argument is um, CBDCs are evil and um, Nigeria reject, rejected CBDCs. So the, 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 the idea or the theme of those um, kinds of articles, the theme is, um, you know, liberty is winning, you know, and as much as I would love liberty to win, that's the sole purpose of my um, my activism, my advocacy here, and um, that's not what's happened. So um, the 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 in in twenty in two thousand and twenty one, the government tried to push, or rather, in twenty twenty, the government tried to introduce um, the e naira. Um, which is our central bank digital currency, but um, it never took off, right? It it, it didn't work at all. Mm -hmm. So last year, the the government said they wanted to redesign the naira. So they wanted to change the thousand naira bill, the five hundred naira bill, and the two hundred naira bill. So they wanted to change them, right? So they said bring in your old. 200 500 and 1000 the highest um, denominations bring them in and then you collect the new ones so people went and um they said the the um, old ones are going to go out of circulation they're not going to be accepted and pass a certain date you know so people turn them in in fear and um when you turn in when you pay in um, the old notes to the bank they don't give you the new one they just credit your account right so so people thought. So, uh, so I initially I I thought okay maybe there's some um, Western influence trying to push CBDCs. But then I thought again, our former president is 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 he's as I called him on another um, podcast. He's the boomer's boomer, right? So he he's as old school. He's as old school as it gets, right? So he there, there's no way this man is going to be pushing for um, CBDCs. So we all knew what was happening, right? Basically, in Nigeria, there is a very big um, problem when it comes to elections here. 
they literally buy votes with cash. Literally, so they 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 get um, like old men and women in the villages to line up, and then they they bring their voter ID. We have voter ID here, and you know nobody's racist for asking for voter ID. So, um, <laughs> and then they give you five thousand naira, which is about um, maybe um, five dollars today. They um, five thousand naira, and then you vote the candidate of their choice. That's so they used literally. So um, during the so there was this um, in in the two thousand and nineteen elections, um, the, a a politician had bullion vans like these um, trucks that carry wads of cash. Two of them came to his house, right? So we have that kind of stuff happen here. So um, so they literally use cash to buy votes. You can't transfer. These people live in the villages. They don't even have smartphones. So you can't. So they give them cash at the um, polls and then they, at the voting booths and then they vote. So the president, the last president was trying to stop this from happening, which was why he was um, drawing and um, uh, collecting the cash from people so that there, there wouldn't be any cash to for people to buy votes. So there was massive um cash scarcity and by the way it didn't really affect the politicians that much because um the little cash that the banks would give the banks would give it to those people right they wouldn't give it to someone like myself right so the rest of us had to work with um um mm -hmm. transfers and all that or what little cash i lost so much weight that period because i had to walk um a lot you know i couldn't pay um transport because there was no cash right so i walked did a lot of walking it was good for me so the um so because of so the the purpose was to stop not to introduce cbdc's but to stop people from buying votes and then literally like a week after the elections cash was everywhere again of course people rioted right people um were protesting were burning banks and smashing so the, the people were not fighting for liberty they were fighting because they didn't have access to cash. So it's not like mm -hmm. Nigeria is a um is 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 a is such an awake or an aware society that they know that this can lead to um some kind of dystopian world. That that was that wasn't what it was at all. People just didn't have access to their cash, to their money. I say this very, very confidently. If for some reason, maybe by some means we have the technology for literally everyone to have um, smartphones here and they have the um, skills to use it to transfer money from one account to the other. Nigeria would be the easiest place in the world to push CBDCs. This is not a liberty-loving country. We love the government in this place. We absolutely, despite the horrors that the government has imposed on us, we believe we cannot exist. We can't survive without the government. If the government... If if what what people were saying that time, right when the, there was a cash scarcity, was the government should do more to ensure that um, financial technology spreads around the country so that the grandmother in the village has access to um, digital um, banking and all that. So it was not a win for liberty. Right. So that, that uh, some good did come out of it. Um, very very interesting lessons. Some some good came out of that cash scarcity. Um, so some people actually resorted to barter during that period in certain communities because there was no cash. So people resorted to barter, right? Some people started to use um, the currency of neighboring, those countries around, those states around the borders, they started to use the currency of neighboring countries. So what good, how is this good? This shows that a society can actually switch to another form of money without the government's help right so even without the government people found ways to trade in, mm -hmm. in certain parts of the country we have large gold and um, deposits in two of our states here <clears throat> and unfortunately there is a whole lot of banditry and um, murders and killings in those areas they are fighting for the gold the chinese are involved the british are involved the middle east is involved they just come here and take gold and go so there's a whole lot of um evil going on in those places that's the only reason why i believe gold did not emerge as money in those um, regions at that time if those places were relatively stable with the amount of gold coming out of those places i believe gold might have become currency in those regions and once those people taste good money i don't think it would have been 
um, easy to make them go back to um, deny except by government force, of course. So that's just the good that came out of it, I guess, even though we've reverted back to using the useless um, Naira. Yeah, so that was... Um, okay, yeah, I guess at the very least, like you say, when you're trying to explain these principles to people, you might be able to refer to that and say, hey, do you remember the period you know, a few years ago when this happened? And so we, you, we, the government mismanaged our currency, and so people just naturally went on to other things, so yes. that, you know, just to show them... Yes that the government certainly is not to be trusted with that uh, very important uh, element of society. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's a good spot for us to wrap up. So can you, for people who want to follow you and see more of what you're doing and consider supporting you, can you maybe give them some information where, where they can find you? Okay, so my Twitter, Twitter is the best place to find me. That's where I do um, my best work. <laughs> that's where I do my work. And it's my Twitter handle is at um, TrueEconBro, T-R-U-E-C-O-N, B-R-E-A-U at True Econ Bro. So that's my Twitter handle. Um, as for the fundraiser, um, it, it, it was, it was, um, suspended because the service provider that, um, links the, um, that links my bank here to the, mm-hmm. um, to the fundraising company, they pulled out because of some new central bank policy, right? So, um, I'm working on sorting that out and then, Anyone who wants to support can reach me on Twitter and I would, when I get the fundraiser back online, anyone can support um, my work. But please follow me on Twitter. Yeah, that's very, very important. Okay, great. And I did, we didn't probably mention this at the beginning, but in case people, have, so we are deliberately not saying your name. We're just calling you Econ Bro here uh, to respect yeah. your wishes as, as people could have gotten the gist of why we might have that policy. But you are a real person. You're not a Nigerian prince trying to raise funds. <laughs> Ironically, I am a prince. Yeah, well, that's believe good. it or not, I, I am literally a prince. But you know. But okay, so people should know. Yeah, but not that yes, kind of prince. You're a Nigerian prince trying to raise funds, but for a good cause. This is legit. <laughs> but I am just yeah. explaining to the listeners why you know they thought I was being rude and I wasn't saying your name. That that was on purpose. Okay. Well, thanks. This has been fascinating. We wish you the best of luck in all your endeavors, and uh, let's stay in touch. And hopefully, this episode will bring some more uh, attention to your to your important work. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you for having me on. God bless you, sir. Okay, thank you. And thank you folks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Check back next week for a new episode of the Human Action Podcast. In the meantime, you can find more content like this on Mises.org.